0: Connesty, how are you? Welcome to the Candle of Tales podcast, where this episode we are having a chat about the previous episode, which was the story of Nemet.
1: Well done, I thought you were going to forget it there for a second.
0: I did too. <laughs> I didn't. I wasn't going to. I'm, it's entirely under control. I was just speaking in a measured tone.
1: Well, my name is Aaron, and I'm chatting about this story with my sister Soroka, and yes. I guess we've got a lot to talk about uh, in this whole book of invasions, all taken from the Lower wall, back written by those good old monks back in the day uh, when they were, I don't know, writing down these stories in the 12th century, I believe, is the earliest, maybe 11, I've looked it up,
0: somewhere, uh, a long time ago,
1: yeah. It was a and while back, I It was a while back. It was a while back, which is. Bizarre, considering how specific some of the times of these things are that are given in the authority.
0: That is like low-key my favourite thing about the Book of Invasions, where they're like, on Tuesday, the 25th of February at 4 o'clock p.m., you know, a lake burst forth spontaneously in welcome when a man stepped on Ireland. Like, they just, it's yeah, so yeah. weirdly precise. I tend to leave them out because I can never remember them properly. Um, but I do. They're
1: really, there's a, it like it goes Kessert and there's 33 years, yes, um, or 30 years, many um, before Parthland, and then there's 300 years till Nemedlands. So yeah. a bit of time has passed. A bit of time has passed, and I guess I, something was kind of spiked when I was I was listening to a history podcast explaining uh, kind of the Bronze Age. Uh, settlement in in ireland and what's kind of always discovered how you how you date and time stuff and how you try and find and you find metals that have been brought over and and comparing it to the stoneworks that have were here and it just it always boggles my mind like how old these fucking things are like especially when we consider you know america as a new country of the last few hundred years this this island had inhabitants for thousands of years you know people came from and it's a mental journey they came from, as we pointed out and, and got some lovely feedback on the Kessler story in the post-show chat. We had a map up on our last video, one of the last videos, and uh, we were looking at where they journeyed from, where, you know, modern day, uh, not Libya, um, Sudan. Sudan, uh, yeah. the and, Nile. And but so Nemid and his people... Are supposedly from the Caspian Sea, yeah. and I love this idea of like a group. And again, there's nothing really given about Nemed and his people beforehand.
0: The only thing that they that said, and it's said actually in the Partholon story, um, in one of the versions that I read, is that Nemed is a, like a great grand nephew of Partholon. Great. Right. Like there, there's a, there's some kind of familial connection, maybe. Uh, I can't remember exactly what it is, but there is some kind of he's a nephew or a grand nephew of Partholon, so he's like the Parthelon son or the grand. grandson of Partholon's brother.
1: Oh, great grand grand, because like it's three hundred years after. And
0: well, like, what? is it because it's it's three hundred years from Kessar to Partholon? Oh yeah, and then it's.
1: Parthelon.
0: I'm not sure how long it is from Partholon to Nemed, but it it can't be like because Partholon's people are there for like several hundred years. <laughs> like they're there for they're they're also there for like. I think around, they're there for 300 years because his people outlive him. Like he, he dies and then they flourish and then they all die of a plague. And then there's yeah. so it, it's hard to know how Nemet and Partholon are related that closely. They can't really be. Uh, I left it out. I close.
1: didn't wait. I didn't wait. I just it's, thought it was a link. I, like, I, I felt like it's just a link there. I'm going to leave it out. Yeah. And in the telling of it, I think like, you know, you, you have these kind of. I guess ge- 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 geographical areas that have, kind of posited and put into place of like oh this they're probably from here or they're par- possibly from there, yeah. and looking at it you're like cool it's somewhere obscure it's it might be and the reference I gave in the story was that they were in a, a sea surrounded by land which doesn't yeah. which is. You, you usually it's the other way around, you know. It's kind of like an island surrounded by sea, so they they kind of so they, they flip themselves where where they where they go from.
0: <laughs> They're uh, in a reverse <laughs> island, which is the Caspian oh, yeah. Sea, and then they go, okay, cool, let's go to an island island surrounded yeah, by yeah. ocean. Uh, yeah, he's he's from he's from somewhere. He's from question mark. He's maybe from because Parthelon is from somewhere in the Mediterranean. And like there's there's different names given, like some places are called like Scythia and sometimes they'll say Greece and sometimes they'll say the Caspian Sea. And I think generally speaking, you're right. I think it's like it's a little bit like um, the 40 days and 40 nights thing in the Bible. It's just a term for like far away, like far enough away that it's super exotic and nobody I know has ever been there. But I know it's a real place. Yeah. And this is also seems to be kind of
1: new about Asia. You know, well, like... <laughs> like that's what I
0: mean. That's what I mean. Like, if you think about the 12th century, if you think about people in Ireland in the 12th century, you're net like who are you go- like you're gonna meet somebody, sure, you're gonna meet traders from North Africa, you're gonna meet people who, like that's that was the main kind of or that was a big trade route from the west of Ireland down to Iberia and down to North Africa. But like, who are you gonna meet that's been to Greece? Like physically been to yeah. Greece. And then comes back like the world is so much smaller for us today. Like I've been to Greece. My parents brought us there on holidays when I was tiny. A lot, actually. You, you were there once. You,
1: you you got me lost. Uh,
0: I didn't I get okay, lost.
1: you lost. I wasn't lost.
0: there. I was at home in the swimming pool. Everybody else lost you.
1: No, hang
0: on a second. I was Did completely you... unaware. No, that was that was that was your other sibling. That was the responsible (laughs) older brother who lost you in Greece.
1: Just that way, I was abandoned in Crete, goes along. You know, it has a lot of uh, psychological problems, my traumas of um. uh, Traumas? You were fine. You,
0: in fairness, Tiny Aaron was super on it because Tiny Aaron just like walked and asked somebody for help, and like found his way to the main street, and then was like, "Oh, I recognize this," and then like toddled his way back to the apartment building. Our Parents
1: freaked the fuck out.
0: Were fucking traumatized.
1: Yeah, my dad had like had taken up a vendor. He, he based it on the whole uh taken thing. He was like, Yeah, he'd my life searching for him. <laughs> he's abducted. He's gone. But I will. I will never rest. I will never give up. I will yeah, always. I know. He's, he's got full too. Liam Neeson
0: in his brain. Full <laughs> Liam He was like, "Okay, we can sell the house. We can get our assets together. We can do this. We can do this with this. Maria can stay with with Surika and Neil. And like, I'm just going to go do this. And this is where I'm going to start. And like there there were people talking about like we can get the ports shut down. Like we can because it's an island. We'll be able to like lock it down. Like it was their stuff was intense. I meanwhile was in the swimming pool. I had no idea any of this was going on. Uh. I don't remember hearing Neil's perspective in this other than he was adjacent to the massively freaking out Tony. Yeah. I think our yeah. mom was probably less freaked out by Tony because I think she probably was like, I can't go there. Like, we'll find him. He's somewhere on the island. You know, we'll get him before it goes too far. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, Tony was like full yeah. fucking
1: disaster mode. I, I still have memories of like kind of finding my way back, like images, like I was at what, three or four or something? Um...
0: Uh, hang on, you were no, because it was the year that I was. You were older than that. You were you okay. were nine or ten, because I was. But you I were you might hang on. No, nine we ten. were there. Oh, sorry, I was fourteen. Yeah, you were,
1: so I was you well were seven six. or
0: eight. You were seven or eight.
1: Okay, I like to pick it up and make 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 it sound. Like
0: you weren't three. that wee, but no, 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 you weren't. You weren't that wee. You were you fine, were seven fine. or eight. Anyway, because um, so I had a birthday was... and we went to Knossos and I also got served wine a lot on that holiday, so I can't have been that young. And you're Man. only six years younger than me. I thought I was sixteen, but I was actually probably—I think I was maybe fourteen.
1: Huh. Ah, yeah, 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 fourteen. We've massively diverged, Erica. <laughs> that's massive tangent <laughs> that's
0: okay that's my fault oh yeah <laughs> man we're doing a podcast i forgot we were doing a podcast
1: <laughs> so anyway no,
0: so my point that the, the reason we <laughs> got onto this massive tangent mm. because we were talking about hey we've been to greece 11th 12th century irish people to them greece is a rumor <laughs> they've they've met someone who's met someone who's met someone like the most well-traveled person you'd likely meet had maybe been to continental europe and like greece would be a long way and like you know like other than people whose profession was trading and i'm not yeah. sure how far people actually went like was it like you know did things get moved in little hops like greece was well, a uh it like i said i think it was kind of like It's the farthest away that you're like, I definitely have a certainty that this is a real place.
1: Well, it it was all it was kind of from a a navigation point of view. It was all about getting past the Straits of Gibraltar. Mm -hmm. and It was actually about getting out into the Atlantic Sea. And the seafaring folk of those times had that as a massive thing to get over because they were stuck in this kind of like... You know it's a sea but it's it, it's it's also a huge bay it, it's landlocked yeah. it's
0: actually. landlocked and it's also like it's full of other seafaring nations like you've got the Greeks and the Phoenicians and you've got all these different like navies you know around the place there mm. and like it's also relatively safe like in terms of storms they're not as destructive really? in the Mediterranean as they would be in the open ocean and also sure. like, you know you're thinking shipwrecks you're thinking stuff like uh, obviously ships would be lost in the Mediterranean people would would drown but like it wasn't you didn't there wasn't as much like open sea navigation like it was it was within sight of a coastline kind of navigation I think for yeah, the most you part.
1: Keep, keep your eyes.
0: yeah you keep your eyes on land so like this whole idea of like you know the sort of 17th century in we figured out astrolabes and sun position and navigation by day so we're just going to like light out and see if the world is round or not because if we go in a straight line and we get back to where we started it's round um like that was that was a ways away um although you have your brendan the navigators who set off for the islands of the other world and there was maybe some brave souls who were like let's see if I fall off the edge if I just keep going in a relatively straight line
1: and like you know I, I think it's I well, know you, you guys maybe you can enforce if they're more knowledgeable but like our theories that are, they're they're far more advanced seafaring uh, nations from like the Polynesian seas
0: mm. uh, mm-hmm. like,
1: how exactly do you rate that how exactly do you go back like those seas are being explored for oh, thousands yeah. We're miles. not even
0: we're not even talking about like East Asia. Those people were miles ahead, like leagues yeah. ahead in okay. terms of navigation and ships and all that kind of stuff. But again, it was like that was incredibly difficult to get to overseas before you had, you know, we had that that happening recently where the um the Suez Canal got blocked up and it was like oops, that's our
1: That's the only way we move stuff. What? Yeah, that. and know. that was do do?
0: and that was a colossal project to build that. So like in the ancient world, that was not even a, a whisper of a dream. Like if you wanted to get hmm. farther. So I I feel like Greece was kind of like the edge of the known world, probably for the people who were writing this. And the Caspian Sea was like, this is definitely, definitely actually a place. But I don't know, you know, I don't have any clearer idea beyond that. Like there well, were maps also, of Europe. And you get it in the kind of King of the means- World stuff as well. Um, Sorry, but just to, to finish, like you you... The, their concept of the world was basically bound up in kind of the Mediterranean Sea and North Africa and mm-hmm. Ireland, and everything around that was just like here be monsters? Question mark. I don't know if anything is actually here. Maybe there's an edge and you fall off it. I don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah. But this is where like there's a big population explosion, like the I guess fertile crescent is where supposedly you know farming originated from, and and that's where the populations of the world started to come from and spread from because I guess once an area gets overpopulated, they move on and try to move and, and kind of get mm-hmm. to other areas and, and that's how it worked. But it seems to be like it always, it's interesting that these stories are like kind of pointing around somewhere down there, somewhere mm-hmm. it was kind of burped down there or there was, a, you know, uh, a yeah. people, some form of stories or history or something with them from an area of something that they try to remember. Or, they're
0: yeah they're all coming from somewhere around there they're all coming from somewhere kind of in the Middle East North Africa yeah. like vaguely fertile crescent ish I don't think ish. that's I think it's, it's I think mad. it's wider than that but you know it that's that's broadly the region from which all these people come um I mean which Caspian i think is sea
1: like is is like neck like the George the country Georgians looking at the map now uh, like between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea and the Fertile crescent is kind of below in a strip below that and um, do, do like
0: I, you want to screen the screen the share,
1: <laughs> uh, screen the share. you know what? I, I i i both can't and won't because um my tech has been against me of late so i'm not going to attempt to play with the pixies of the internet uh today that is no, that
0: no. is fair we, we we will not tempt them but i can i can pull up a map i guess
1: well <laughs> no I, I you know what it's fine i think for the those who want to have a look, look at the map go for it because i don't want to take along because I, I, I want to talk about this idea of 30 boats in the story setting sail from somewhere down there somewhere in this area that's mm-hmm. more abundant and they need to change and they leave for whatever reason and this happens again and again and again and it's still happening today you know people's moving in large numbers and out of necessity and need and when they move they move across they're looking for something of promise a promised land perhaps or a newer destination And these guys follow Nemed, a leader of sorts, for whatever reason. They have 30 boats, though. And some versions Mm -hmm. say there's 60 in each boat, or some versions say there's 30 in each boat. And I just found it bizarre. It's one of those weird stories. It just starts off with this. They set off, and then they found a tower of gold. Mm -hmm. And they try and pillage it. They try and take from it. And they're all drowned. So it has this straight up kind of almost a moral: don't be greedy. Yeah, you're going out in search for something you can't. Don't don't try. You know, the Buk- the I, Charles Bukowski thing. Don't try that too I, much. Just let it come to you.
0: I feel like there's something. I feel like the Nemed story is kind of the the first one that gets into a little bit of like. Um, I, although I, it happens in Partholon as well. There's something here about like, you know, there is a little bit of a morality tale here in terms of like your actions have consequences. And I think the raid on the tower, it, it's foreshadowing as well, because it sets up the raid on the Fomorian Tower at the end. And it's almost like with that act of greed going, oh, I'm going to take that just because I can. Um, he kind of dooms himself mm-hmm. because it means then the next time he, he sees this tower. And again, you know, his attack of the Fomorians is kind of an uh, an overreach, like he's he is someone who overreaches and he is someone he's also someone who treats the Fomorians like really, really badly. Um,
1: Although he again, his personality, much like the, I guess, the Parthelons in a different way, but like the they, they're getting the name, the Medics like actually when they go and fight the Fomorians. Is I would have uh, had died at that point in Cork Harbor, apparently, um of, the, of a plague of sorts. And so they get to Ireland and they set up and they're doing well. And mm. his people take on, like, only for the fact that he had loads of women in his boat again. He lands with one boat, much like Kesser, mostly women, and that's a big similarity there. Mm. And yet they set about going about it maybe a bit better than Kessler's uh, well. and. Or, they, they have, have better luck. <laughs> they better luck. They better luck, and they set out this. They take on this personification, uh, or personality from Nemed, and they all have that uh, desire to survive and win and fight off the Formorians that are taking from them. But also, they fall into that trap of greed from the get go, and that 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 kind of stains and tarnishes the whole race, and they tend to just you know they're mm. doomed the outset, no yeah. matter why
0: It's like that becomes their, that becomes their characteristic. Like they take on the characteristic of their leader of being these people who are just that little bit too, little bit too greedy, little bit going a little bit too far, going a little bit too far in their vengeance, going a little bit too far in their like trying to get power. And yeah, that, that, when they actually then go and attack the Fomorians on their home ground,
1: yeah, well, we so we'll, we'll leave that for a moment because I want yeah. to think about, like, so one of the big things in this is, like, there's, there's a character, the wife of Nemeth, is Maka. And mm. her, her name we know very well now in, in a lot of stories, and some of you listeners might have recognized her as well. Uh, the Morrigan has three aspects, the goddess of war, Maka, of Anand and is one other name of the Merignu or the goddess of battle fury. And Maka is such a strong name. And I guess you get these kind of names that almost become like tropes for kings. Like Oki is like a king that comes up in every kind of, you know, you load the lo- lo- repetitions of names that were yeah. popular maybe then and they're not as popular now and they don't quite marry in, in modern tongue. But in the myths there there's loads of them. So there's a few yeah. Maka's, but not that many. And... Not that many.
0: Maka's a Maka's a serious name. Oki, I think, is more of a title because you get yeah. Oki, Oki Aram and one of the names of the Dagda is Oki Olaher, which means like mm. kind of Oki father of all, which is it sounds it yeah. Anyway, sorry. Maka. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, it, it, it's a good differentiation. But like Maka definitely has her own powers and she is set up as the one who sees and has the vision uh, for how to kind of essentially and in in different readings essentially how to kind of become balanced with the land and so it became uh, for her to try and do that and try and uh, link up uh, some way of some harmony between the peoples and the land Uh, which is, which is kind of beautiful, but then also tragic because uh, she doesn't survive very long mm. after that, that, that vision when she sees uh, something bad coming, you know and that's an artistic choice to pop in the to form Orient at that point. I mean they, they're to land and they're there. but they' are they're be de raided fairly quickly after they land. Mm-hmm. and their response is much like the parathlon. no crack with this. But then they have this weird relationship with the Fomorians yeah. and his people um, so first of all go on you, you talk it through they fight with them first and then they manage to you know get rid of them but they don't do very well after that do they
0: well like I think it's an interesting contrast to parthalon because in the parthalonian story they have this one battle and they win and then they like leave each other alone like there's no further mention of them interacting it's kind of like okay cool we're not going to hassle you. You don't hassle us. And I think in the Namedian story, then you have like in different accounts, you have stories of him putting the Fomorian kings to work and like making them dig forts for them, which we'll see again when we're looking at the Bress story of like, that's one of the kind of humiliations that Bress puts on um, people of like, like the Dagda to like be a fort builder, be a digger of forts. I love that that's the verb for building forts, by the way, it's just kind of, but like he, he kind of, after defeating them he goes after them like it doesn't
1: end there again nasty and his attitude of being the best having the best being seen to be the greatest and have the greatest fortress to get these four brothers of the four to capture them and make them build the fort with this really you know suspect um you know, idea of, okay, you're going to, so, and there's an amazing, actually, I was listening to the Eddie Lennon uh, podcast recently, and he's he talking about trades and traders, and the, he told more of a folk tale of, of the best um fort builder in Ireland, who was a carrying man and went over to England to build a, a fort for, for the king, but the wife knew that he wouldn't survive it so she made sure that he kept a, a very important tool at home that he'd come back for and so there's a all over and back where the king sends oh i'll send my son over to get that tool and then the wife captures the son in order for him to be let back because this is going to happen the, this son is yeah. going to be killed or the, the tool man craftsman's going to be and killed it's, it's a trope as soon as he builds the best
0: yeah you know? yeah yeah and it's such a trope in mythology as well like it's in the greek myth of the labyrinth as well like daedalus and icarus that's why they're fleeing. That's why Icarus flies through too close to the sun is because they built the labyrinth for King Minos. And he says, well, if you leave, you'll be able to tell people the secret, secret of the labyrinth. And I can't have that. So he he's like, he's kind of kept in sort of like genteel slavery, but that is like, that is the implication is like, if he leaves, he'll be killed. And that's why he's, that's why that escape is so kind of daring. So yeah, Nemed pulls up like, full evil king move by being like build me the best forts and then I kill you which is kind of interesting because I think this is one of the things that like we've been talking about a lot in this series is like the Fomorians are cast as evil because the shorthand like it just kind of they're they're so often cast as evil and anytime I see like a sort of a Anytime any sort of modern fantasy, like you know, pulls some things from Irish mythology, they will usually go well. The Tuatha De Dan are the good guys, and the Fomorians are the bad guys, and that's as far as they go. But like the Fomorians make really easy monsters, and like because they're they're mysterious and they're and they're hostile and like they're hostile to people who aren't also Fomorian. They're they're tribalistic, and like I've definitely seen depictions of them in kind of. You know, like I said, fantasy fiction that like takes its inspiration from Irish mythology, they're like lizard people and they're like twisted, deformed, like creatures, and they're like I mean, really some of
1: the descriptions disgusting. of them are that like you can almost yeah. read I visualize the orcs from Lord of the Rings, like yeah. this, that's so like even the metallic and the kind of the building, their arms and like the construction of their faces sometimes and how they're stitched back together and you know these these like grotesque and oddly lump and giant, giant-esque creatures and kind of how they're uh presented in in, in a lot of descriptions as well as being completely the opposite of that yeah like being completely beautiful and lovely and, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of bizarre to have those two
0: well, like, you know, we were talking about this in terms of and we'll, we'll talk about this more because as the Fomorians continue to show up in this series, because they are the they are the one constant. And I think they really kind of make sense to me as a as a people of the sea, hmm. because that's in an island nation. That's what the sea is. It is the most beautiful thing. And it is also the most terrifying and threatening thing. And it is the most bountiful thing. And it is also the, the hungriest thing. And like, it'll it'll sustain you and it'll kill you. And like, you know, we like I said, we will talk about that more, but I think that's one of the things that's so fascinating about the Fomorians and like not going down that narrative route of Fomorians evil,
1: because. And we'll, we'll be, I guess, we'll be exploring and getting a chance to look really closely at the Fomorians as we go in the mirror. And I guess our whole task as we've been t- discussing this ourselves and that's probably why you forgot you were doing a podcast because uh, we've had a number of phone calls uh, this week about these stories that we're trying to get together and, and we're trying to get ahead of ourselves <laughs> and record we keep on recording the same week as the podcast which is driving through O'Shea absolutely mental yeah we're giving
0: person. him very little time to get all of that music together <laughs> we're really bad
1: <laughs> we like to be over a month in advance we're now currently not at all so you're probably listening to these stories as we're putting them out but as a result we're talking about them a lot and i can no wonder you forgot (laughs) you were doing this because i guess the the mind frame of of how we tell the stories uh really affects how obviously you know they come across to a listener but we have to really understand what the hell we're doing in order not to get that simplistic with the good and bad because it takes a lot of exploration. Okay, it's very simple to say, okay, they're not bad guys. They're they're there's others. But then you suddenly you have all of these basic bad uh things that are they're doing raiding, village warring. Yeah. They're the warring, right? They all they they warred part who is who is our protagonist in the last, even though we don't have a usual amount of sympathy. They fight with Nemeta again, he seems greedy, he seems like a bit of a dick. But they're the bad guys, right? Uh, or they're yeah. fighting again, and they're raiding, and, they're, and then they put it. then you, you almost feel sorry for them, because name is a bit of a dick in this one, and, and he doesn't mm-hmm. act very kindly, and he kills the four brothers in case the best tower ever is not, our fort not built, um, or outdone, and then suddenly they become the kind of, the ruling uh, force, and they punish, and they severely tax, and they become You know, fueled by that thing that I guess all powerful rulers have an option to go down the dark side or not, and that's the funny thing with Mm -hmm. them. And and we have to explore what is the duality, what is the kind of, what's the binary system that we're playing with. It's not good and bad, but there's there's a duality in 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 it within every choice of an evil Mm -hmm. eye or a better perspective, and Mm -hmm. that's kind of how we're trying to look at this.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's a really interesting kind of dynamic in this in this story, particularly as well, because and again, it's one that we'll sort of see more of is like what the victor does says so much about the victor, like what you do in victory is the real kind of test of character. And these both the Namedians and the Fomorians behave really badly in victory. Because their impulse is to is to continue the punishment and to go, okay, you hurt me. So I'm going to I'm going to beat you in a fight and then I'm going to hurt you more than you hurt me. And then it's 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 a cycle. It just becomes a cycle. And that is that is how they interact on on the island until it destroys in a
1: way it's exactly how the first world war led to the second world war you know it's like
0: absolutely it is like it is that kind of cycle of violent stuff is like that's that's so many conflicts around the world that are going on right now Mm. are exactly that like i've been wounded in the past and now i have power over you so i'm going to make you fucking squirm buddy like that mindset and that kind of vengeance mindset and that power dynamic of like I will oppress you until you can't stand it anymore and you rise up and then you oppress me is really hard to get out of. Um, oh,
1: my. Like I, I just had, a, had my uh, drama teaching class with uh, a group of Palestinian women that I do on Fridays. And like, uh, you know, it, it, talking to them last week was because uh, uh, they're in Ramadan at the moment uh, and they're all you know, not eating, not drinking, and the eleven. As we record this, it's the eleventh day of Ramadan. Fair play to you. I don't know how you do it. Um, so it'll be probably a week after this before mm-hmm. it comes out. But, um Like it's it. I you know when you think of Palestine, if you look at Palestine right now, it's not on a map. It's not even on Google Maps. They've mm-hmm. just decided it doesn't exist anymore. Because Israel's there and that's the one that we're going with. And let's just keep on. And I know there's, there's, there, you know, there's, it's gray area on both sides. I'm not saying there is right and wrong. I'm not picking sides, but it is fundamentally flawed to keep on this persistence of punishment when, when peoples will only yeah. retaliate from it. There, there's this, the only power point to do if you nothing else to do. Yeah,
0: you, you trap people into a position where the only thing that they can do is react with violence because they're like if you put somebody's back up to the wall for long enough you know that's the only thing that they can do and and that's not unique to israel and palestine and like there's so much kind of there's so much sort of justified anger and rage on both sides that it's like yeah i get get why people are that mad get why that get why that happens but it's it's it it cannot lead to anything except more Violence and more conflict. It just can't. And That's it, the only thing it, that it is capable of creating.
1: You know, it's just that the it's 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 mind-boggling, and I don't want to go down this road too massively, but like the, again, I, m- I mentioned the First World War leading on to the Second World War, leading on to essentially uh, Israel and Palestine conflict, and mm. that like the, ultimately, yeah. The, ultimately it's just like it's, it's, it's like it's the cause and effect uh, and it's the people who are oppressed in one massively and try to get wiped out who are now the oppressors of another mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, kind of massive crisis and you've you've so you've this story being replayed in history and we're looking at it in this ancient text and going ah I wonder where they're from <laughs> you know yeah I wonder where there's any real realness here like the truth for me is in the pudding is like There's something so wholly true in this. It's Mm -hmm. speaking a language. It's telling a story, and and that's what people ask me all the time: Are these stories true? You speak them. You tell them like they're true. Is there any historic evidence? I'm like, it's intuitively true. Not that kind of truth. They're so on the ball. You don't need the facts to be fucking straight to actually nail down something. that's like so humanly. Uh, correct, And this is how people operate. And this is how people are fueled by emotions and blinded by uh, what's going on in front of them, because they want to be in a higher, higher, more and more powerful position and oppress than not be oppressed. And this mm-hmm. is just a constant. And we're still seeing it today. And here we have Nemet starting off from a very greedy position, running away probably from fear with 30 other people, seeing desperately a chance of wealth and throwing everything at it and then being penalised hugely for it, mm-hmm. surviving that, but obviously having that trauma only right with the sons and women and setting up and surviving and clearing the 12 plains and having the welcome from the land itself as four more lakes burst open. But as soon as threat comes their way, their instinct is fear and fright and struggle again and we we'll, you know this this is essentially that the whole story of the book invasions it happens again mm-hmm. and again. And, mm-hmm. and the repetitiveness of these stories is kind of like the repetitiveness of how history keeps on repeating itself, you know,
0: yeah in absolutely a in a way it's 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 kind of like these cycles are part of history, and I think that's kind of you know that's something I often used to say in live shows is like the truth truth and facts are two different things um facts can be just as misleading um mm. you know facts can be incredibly misleading if you just, you know, omit some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's why I think when you're telling stories, you're not just using fact, you're also trying to get at truth and you're trying to find your way to truth. And I think that, you know, those these kinds of things that we've been talking about, you know, about uh, putting aside the good versus evil dichotomy. It, that's, that's part of... Our attempts to find truth in these stories that are not factual but can yeah. be absolutely true.
1: Because I think the truth of the truth of things, and this is a bit of a reach here now, right? But I think facts so his story is gonna hate me in this one. Can we say that the truth of events can be clouded by factual information because we get bogged down in the details of who said what specifically, the language that was used, the data was done, uh, the specific specificities. And I, I know some personalities really want everything to be ticked and dotted and mm. crossed and perfected and all things accounted for. And when it is, then perhaps you can rigorously go through something and find the core truth of, of it. But often I find even I and mean, we just get in news reports today. We're getting bogged down with details, with tallies, with numbers, with with calculations, with where we're going exactly, specifically. I mean, this is this, this.
0: yeah bogged absolutely down. like f- yeah. the drowning of somebody in facts is like that is a that is a, a delaying tactic that is used in law. In kind of like, you know, in corporate law cases, that is one of the ways that they can, you know, a big company can can delay uh, a case is by sending the opposition buckets and buckets, I mean, buckets and buckets and buckets of information that they have to then go through in an incredibly laborious, time intensive, uh, expensive way. Like that is a thing that is like used as a tactic to stop truth coming out but equally and like i don't want to you know equally you can massively distort the facts depending on the story you want to tell like that's uh that is also a very very that is a tactic that i think we all understand extremely well Uh, a lot of a lot of populists uh in politics do exactly that now some of them just blatantly fucking lie but a lot of the time, the, the best lies have a little bit of truth in them.
1: Well, and it's like, like those, you know, you, you, you told that um, very beautifully to our last storytelling course of how eyewitness testimony is more uh, trusted, the better that the uh, arc of the story fits uh, plot and uh, yeah. more. the The, the,
0: the, the semiotic analysis of witness testimonies. Um, the 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 more something fits a, a narrative structure, the more likely it is to be believed, and that's wow. just about like
1: nothing that, to do with facts. Nothing to nothing do with facts. To do.
0: Nothing to do with facts. Purely to do yeah. with we have a bias towards a certain kind of story structure, and yeah. if we hear things that don't fit that, we go, mm, "Doesn't sound right," because it doesn't yeah. sound right. Because uh-huh. it's it literally doesn't sound right. We have this kind of idea in our head of how a story should go. And if it doesn't sound right, we're like, eh, I don't know.
1: And that's don't really why everybody it. should come do our story.
0: <laughs> Plugity plug plug plug.
1: How to do their thing? Uh, we do actually have more dates up on the website. Just MoI. Yeah, um, we do.
0: It's good. It's been uh, it's been real good. And actually, by the time this goes out, I think we will have started course three. We
1: will. Have, we will. Yeah. Uh, which is. Been uh, a joy to Even set up an amazing two. uh I mean, go over and relearn the stuff that we've been kind uh, teaching each other. It's been fantastic for uh, look, yeah. re-looking, really re-examining really these stories because I guess once once the Fomorians present themselves as the big obstacle, we've we're kind of we're, we're we have to get over that obstacle. There's the there's the big that that the, the, they represent the dragon or the the monster, and and that's kind of right. How are we going to get over this obstacle? and they stay there for kind of most of uh this whole book of invasions and they become bigger and fiercer and more of an opposition and it's kind of like we're in suspense as we're building towards the, the battles of noitura which are the, the biggest battles we briefly had patlan fighting magic battle we briefly mm-hmm. have these kind of fights with the Namedians and these skirmishes and then the the thousands that drove them out of tentatorial Island who you know, there's not much of a fight there because they essentially just get lashed against the, the cliffs and they're, they're drowned, which is
0: a bit of a, a bit of a dozer. Yeah. Don't fight the sea uh, people in the sea.
1: Don't do that. Bad move So we're, we're kind of, we're waiting for them to really reveal how badass they are. And it's kind of like, we're going to, you know, it's, it's, so keep it simmering, keep listening because it's, it's it's boiling mm-hmm. up the, mm-hmm. the big reveal and that big final of how they become so fast.
0: Absolutely. Badass. But first we have to meet because Mes- uh, Nemed's people scatter and this yeah. is the first time uh, in, the, in the book of invasions that we have people who come back.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so mm. next week and the week after are going to be about some of the people who come back. Uh, the descendants yeah. of Nemed. Um, and I also, I, I cannot, I cannot, we cannot end the Nemed story without mentioning the, the, the son of Nemed who went to the neighbouring island.
1: Oh yeah, well, there's four boats. <laughs> Yeah, there's four boats. As I was gonna mention there. The first boat to go come back, and they die of a plague, which is a brief line. It's, like, it's always there. It's like ah, they were they were just they were doomed yes. again. It, it fulfills that doom. You know what they're doomed. Mm-hmm. they they were never gonna get back. Then the grandson of Nemed britain whale like hilarious so now i, I gotta get this clear I get, we gotta get, articulate this very very clear for everyone who are, who are listening globally Now we have the stats are in maths we have people who are listening from brazil we even have a few lads over in indonesia we have a rake people in america we have a rake people in, in the uk and then the most people are listening uh, that are irish because mostly they understand us <laughs> Uh, for anyone who an, an English-Irish speaker. Um, I'd say the Brits do not know what they're saying. That's not true. That's God, not true. Rolling. That's not uh, true. Um, now, the very important thing about the word British and Brits and you know the word, it's named after a man, Britain Whale, who spent his entire life in the island that we now call Ireland. Yeah. And so, therefore... Britain was named after an Irishman. Let's just get it out straight. Let's oh, just yeah. clarify that. We just need now. to be
0: super clear about that. Britain, Britain, you got your name from an Irishman. It is there. This, I will stand over. This is stone cold ah, fact.
1: Don't <laughs> stone cold <laughs> fact. I don't,
0: I'm, I'm willing to be wishy-washy and everything else, but no, no, no. You guys. This one.
1: No, no, no. You guys so, are named okay. after
0: so, after the Irishman, Britain Whale, which just means Bold. I think "Moyel" means bold. Baldwin, yeah. <laughs> so Baldwin. you were named after you were named after a bold Irishman. I hope you all can find some comfort in that. Uh, love, understand our shared,
1: our shared
0: heritage. Our shared
1: heritage. I think the next time we see a, a bald Irishman, we should salute him. We should I salute him. And we should think, thank God, for bald Irishmen, going thank back God for, for as long as they were being, you know. They uh, they gave
0: their name. And so the British Isles, which sometimes the islands of Ireland and England and the oh, Isle of Man collectively are called, are also yeah. named after a bald Irishman.
1: Yeah. So the British Islands are the, the, the Yeah. You might want to call them the, the islands they're named after an Irishman. The islands that are named yeah. after an Irishman is also the way to say the yeah, British Isles.
0: I think, I think we should bring that in. I think it's a little funky, but I think it's good. I think, I think fun. we should collectively call them yeah. the bald Irishman islands.
1: The bald because, Irishman islands, I like it. Yeah, yeah it
0: just, needs a bit
1: of a tweak. I think is Brexit like, is really fucking up for people. And they're not really happy with the whole ba- bit of bad taste, nothing to do with us. In fact, a- we're actually the ones that are mainly getting screwed by not having any parcels delivered ever. Hey, I got canal. a job out of it. <laughs> uh, you got a job out of it. Um, I've been waiting for packages for months. Um, it's just uh, we keep on having to pay an extra shipping fee. A lot of bucks. Um We're an island, lads. Can't we just bypass them? build another canal? Just go straight nah, nah. To... Don't um... <laughs> Don't
0: diss our shared history.
1: <laughs> Sorry. We're all named after a bald Irishman. We're all named after a bald Irishman.
0: That's, what, old old Irishman. that's what we got to yeah, remember. That's... I think there's a good note to leave it on yeah exactly exactly so big love to all of the people in the island of the bald irishman
1: and, I, I think and you know beyond. What? we have a couple of um bald irishmen up on our patreon so thanks lads. um and all of you who have hair on our patreon uh, thank you too because uh, there's there's a few and we mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to do this podcast without you you're absolute mm-hmm. legends you've got to patreon.com forward slash candle tales to support us to help us buy these microphones computers laptops to do the editing software the music mm-hmm. making and the video sharing we're going to be doing more of that uh, we'll be doing more live streams stay tuned give us a shout on the instagram facebook twitter i try and get back to the uh when and then i can if you're interested in the storytelling course pop us a mail or a dum, a dm dum. A a uh, dum-dum. dum. and um, get in touch if you have any uh, comments or questions about caspian sea or name if you find anything out about name that i don't know about and uh, we're no experts we uh, barely know what day it is um you know i well i do i, I don't really uh, Sorry, your expression is oh. not helping convince uh, ah, see she was just thinking what the hell day want. see kind of... it
0: out. okay mm-hmm. i've gotten slightly better at knowing what day it is because i have a job that i have to go to now so it's either a day that i have to go somewhere or it's a day that i don't have to go somewhere and for some reason those are not the same like there's more of the going somewhere days than the not going somewhere days which i think is not that's not correct like there's something i w- I, I think i need to speak to someone about that
1: welcome to adulthood I'm no uh, <laughs> take what,
0: take what. <laughs> it's like downvote <laughs> Like,
1: uh, like and share this video or um, subscribe to our channel on YouTube if you haven't done already uh, thanks for listening guys uh, we'll be back with the rest of the invasion stories and uh, slightly less giddy um, stories or more giddy, whichever you prefer let us know if, uh, if you've been uh, tickled or if you, have, if you see any bald Irishmen and thank them for being brilliant <laughs>
0: for being for being the namesakes of these islands that's that's great dead. that's what that's what that's what we need to, to to get out there uh yes thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time
1: you yep.